Welcome back to the Courageously Confident Guys. I am your host, Steph Schultz. I am so, so, so excited for this episode. Okay, I feel like I say that during every intro, but like it's true. (laughs) Every woman that I bring on here, the conversations are so just so beyond what I can ever imagine. So in this episode, I am talking with Melissa B and I'm saying B because I'm really going to butcher her last name. So she says it, don't worry. And I've linked all of her information in the show notes for you guys to go find her, but I don't want to butcher the last name. So I'm talking with Melissa. She is an expert with emotional eating and trauma and how you're restricting or you're binging or whatever, you know, quote unquote issue you have with food is related to a much deeper rooted problem which I totally 100% get. So we're going deep into this this podcast, into this conversation around food. I know a lot of you guys have an interest in this and Melissa is amazing. She shares so much and I'm so excited to announce that if you feel really connected to Melissa during this podcast and you want to work with her through your food struggles, one, I highly suggest her because she will transform your life. But go to her and say you came from the CC podcast, from Stephanie Schultz, the CC podcast, um, and let her know because she wants to know, you know, if you were referred from here, it really helps her out. But we want to really collab and, and connect with both my message of being confident and feeling sexy and feeling amazing in your body, but also having this amazing relationship with food, which I know a lot of you may struggle with. So if you feel connected with her, please reach out and just say like, hey, I found you from the CC podcast and here I am ready to connect. Okay, guys. So no more, no more intro. Let's dive into this amazing conversation. All right, guys, I'm so, so, so happy and excited to have Melissa on the Courageously Confident podcast today. So I'm just going to let her go ahead and introduce herself so you guys know a little bit about who she is and what she does. And then we'll get into some juicy conversations around food and emotions and all that stuff that we are we all deal with. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. I am so honored to be here right now and just I hope everything that we talk about today is just valuable for your audience um, because that is my biggest mission, mission here is to just open up real conversations and stop being so just like sugarcoating everything and just oh, hell I'm here for yeah, it. Yes. Yeah. Be an open book. So, um, I'm Melissa Boleslawski and I'm a nutritionist and I specialize in emotional eating. Um, I didn't always specialize in emotional eating though. Um, because you know, I've been in the whole wellness industry for years. I started off as a smoothie girl in a gym and then I went into personal training. I had my own studio in personal training and it wasn't until, you know, I kind of hit like this major burnout section in that specific um, realm of my business when I was in the brick and mortar uh, personal training uh, studio. And things just started to click of my own personal story. I wasn't very open about my own personal story at that time to anybody or to my clients. Um, I experienced emotional eating for about 10 and a half years. And I, all the clients who I was working with, I was working with them for years. So we've always had, you know, very open book conversations. And there was a theme that just started to show up and it was just the unhealthy relationship with food. And that's the thing that was holding them back. And here I was with this training studio and we had shiny objects that they were just having fun with and standing in their way of 
them actually succeeding. And I, I just got kind of upset with myself and I'm like, I can't believe I'm distracting these women from what's like the real challenge here. Mm-hmm. And so I actually closed it down and I, you know, kind of made the decision for myself to, um, lead with the, my nutrition part of, uh, what I do. I was always leading with the fitness side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to shut that part down and I'm like, I'm just only going to strictly do the nutrition piece because this is the most important part of, um, where we all begin in the journey. Amazing. Wow. Good for you. I find it so interesting. A lot of people like in wellness, including myself, I feel like we always start off somewhere like in fitness Mm -hmm. and we realize it's so much deeper and Mm -hmm. like, this is why, why aren't people happier if that fitness was supposed to make us happy? You know what I mean? Like when I started my coaching business, I had a program and it's still courageously confident, but when I started it, it was fitness completely fitness and now it's fitness and mindset. Yeah. It's like, it's like food and mindset. It's all comes back to our, our mindset with, with food and our habits and why we're doing things. So, um, I'd love for you to share. You said you experienced 10 years of emotional eating. What did that look like? What do you want to share? Like what you were going through and how, and maybe I know, cause I know still, even though we, we are, we come so far, we still deal with things right? Like on a daily basis. So maybe do you want to share with us kind of what that looked like for you and your experience and maybe what that taught you now as, as a coach helping women get through their own emotional eating habits? Yeah, it was, um, you know, it didn't look like much of anything until the latter part of those years, because in, uh, I don't know, in that time frame, you know, 10 and a half years ago, it's even longer. It's almost 15 years ago now, cause I've been kind of in recovery mode for four years. But in that generation, it was all diet mentality, weight watchers, like all of this stuff, like, you know, get skinny, be this person on the magazine and, and all of that was very much so pushed. And so was physical activity at that time. I really believe that, um, you know, we were kind of as a society, just stepping into the realm of like, do the fitness, do the physical activity. This is going to be something that really expands who you are and, um, your own growth. So I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea until I started to learn more about myself and more about emotions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I was literally using food as a coping mechanism for all the pain that I experienced, you know, in my life. And it started with uh, abuse. Like I was at 16 years old in my first ever relationship with a man. And I didn't know what that looked like, you know, Mm. and it's the first time you walk into a relationship. It's like, well, what is this supposed to look like? Mm -hmm. And so all of these things were happening of like, you know, this is who you should hang out with. This is how you should speak. And if I did something wrong, there was be like, you know, some wild backlash and it was very manipulative. And towards the end, it did get physical. And that's where I kind of, you know, something rung off in me, like, okay, this isn't, this isn't okay. I know this is not okay, but you know, the emotional and verbal abuse that's again, it's still not talked about so much. So how do we understand? How do I identify that? Um, so that's where it started. And then as soon as I got out of that relationship, you know, you're 16 years old as a woman and that's where you're starting to just be like a sponge and soak up of like, who am I and who am I supposed to be? And how do I move like maneuver in this world? So I was so lost. Like I, nothing. I mean, I was just, I feel like, I don't know, describing like an analogy, like I was just Eeyore walking around life. Like I had no self-worth, like I couldn't, I didn't know how to be seen and be heard. I didn't accept myself at all. Like it was just, it was miserable, but that was just me on the inside to the outside. 
I was like the star child. I was getting all the things done. I was doing all the fun things. And so everyone else had this perception of me, but then the real perception was something completely different. You know, it was like I was two different people and that Mm -hmm. happened for 10 and a half years. I experienced other abusive relationships. I experienced friendships with women that were just a hot mess. Like it was just bullying and just complete mistrust. And, you know, 10 and a half years, it just gains a lot of strength, Mm -hmm. right? It gains a lot of strength. And um, food was my outlet, if you will, because again, we're not taught emotions when we're younger. So I didn't know how to express that, nor did I grow up in a household where that was expressed. Mm. My father's very straight faced. Yeah. He doesn't cry. Like he only angers his emotion. That's it. Okay. And so that's what Yeah, that's what he learned. And so that's what I learned. And my mother was actually very emotional. And when she was emotional, my dad would get angry. So So you were taught to shut it down, close it off. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, this is where a lot of it starts is like in the home environment with little things. And our parents don't know that's happening. I mean, that's their generation. There's so much going on in their generation of like nonsense. If you ask me, like nobody understands anything. Nobody ever talks about anything in their generation. So, so this is like, it fascinates me. And I'd love to, to talk about this is so when we don't feel good, we want to find a way to feel better. Mm -hmm. And that's, and then we get addicted to what feels better. So Mm -hmm. like addiction to whether you're restricting or binging or whatever that looks like Mm -hmm. with food, like I'm wondering, is it because of diet culture? Is it because of what women are taught at that age that it becomes a problem with food? Like why? Cause, cause it's similar to being addicted to alcohol or drugs. It's the addiction. It's, it's the behavioral pattern, whether it's restrictive or um, like obsessive eating, um, that kind of thing. So I'm wondering your perspective of why this is so common of like women turning to food again, whether you're starving yourself or binging, like, why is it freaking food? Do we think that the food is going to solve our life? Like, (laughs) like why, (laughs) what is your perspective on this or what have you seen in your practice and working with people or maybe what you went through? Yeah. So two things I would say to this. So one food's always here every single day. Like we have Mm -hmm. to eat it. Right. And so we have to eat it. So there's a way that we can manipulate it, whether it's overeating or undereating, which then turns into like our body. Like we all at one point in time in our lives have used our body for some type of external validation. Right. I'll get skinny. I'll get fit. I'll do this. Then I'll be worthy. I'll do this with my body. This person will give me this kind of remark, this comment that feeds me, you know, positivity. I like that. Give me that. So some kind of external validation, but food manipulates that. Mm. right and we do food food is everywhere in our life every single day because we do have to eat it to truly nourish our body and so that's why i think it's so easy yeah right because alcohol and drugs like it's it is all the same thing all across the board but that's not necessarily as easily accessible right does that make sense yeah and it's almost too because i went through this it's like it's easy to hide Mm-hmm. it's easy to hide if you're starving yourself. It's easy to hide if you're binging because, well, we can come up with all the excuses or I'm dieting or it's this and that and it's normal. And so I think that satisfaction of it's easy to hide yet you still get to do it because it makes you feel good is something that is just, it's accessible to do, which is, yeah. which is a huge part of it. So yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And you know, 
where we go through things and then we want to fix it. And, and I think a huge part of it too, and it's not like I'm telling you this, I'm just opening the cup. You know this, but <laughs> yeah. it's like, it, it's control too. So yeah. like, then we get fixated on like, well, I can't control how I feel. So I'm going to try and control it with, with food. Or then like for, for me, I went through a time where it was like all about like numbers, obsessive on the scale numbers of like, how small can I weigh or how little can I weigh? And it was like this game with numbers. And then it's just like, but, but in the time of my life, I was just looking for happiness and control. And I was like, well, I feel like my world is spinning out of control. So what can I control? And that thing, and like you said, it's accessible food. Okay. Let's just start controlling this. And then it was just this spiral. So control, I'm sure you see is a huge thing come up in your clients as well. Yeah. I actually have a new woman I'm working with that um, the dynamic between her and her father, it was so uncontrollable. She did, she would go into the bathroom and and use food. Like this is my control, right? At one point or at one point, um, you know, I had another client who, when they were younger, they didn't have control of like what food came in and out of the house, like with grocery shopping, you know, we're Mm -hmm. younger, so we don't really have a choice in that. And so when she grew up, she's like, Oh, I can grocery shop now. So I can take control and buy X, Y, and Z at the grocery store. Like I feel, you know, power in that way. Um, or control control, like if you have assault or abuse or anything like that, because in that realm you're out of control and food just gains, you know, it gives you that kind of control and power. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. And so with it being so easy to hide for people and then it, this control makes us feel good, whatever Mm -hmm. our obsession is, what, what do you think is like the moment or turning point for people to realize like, I need to fix this. I need help to reach out because it's so easy to hide and stay in it. Like it's easy to stay in it, but it's scary and it takes a lot of courage what do you think is like the breaking point for most people where they're like, I need to fix this? Yeah. You know, I feel like I can only speak on behalf of my specific audience because I feel like my audience is me. And, mm-hmm. you know, my breaking point was like, I was just so fed up. Like to the, my one point, I actually crossed the line and went towards alcohol. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was using food. Food was never enough anymore. And so I actually turned to alcohol mm-hmm. in my life. And, you know, that's one of the big things that like I speak on is I want to help women to, you know, not cross that barrier because once it does because become a substance like that, that is truly addictive. I mean, we're in a whole different realm at that point to mm-hmm. some degree. Um, but a lot of the, the women who I've even talked to who might not, you know, who I might not work with, it just gets to a point where they're just so sick of it because, because there is such this, you know, empowerment and this such kind of control that they feel they, they have to just be so fed up with what's really going on and kind of disgusted in a sense that I, like, I just can't do this. I can't keep running my life like this anymore. Like it's yeah. like a rock bottom of just this thought one day of like, I'm sick of it. I've yeah. got to do something to change it because there is a lot of fear of what these women have to dig up because what they've been suppressing all of these years. So that's what stops a lot of women from even attempting to overcome emotional eating because of, you know, what, what, what am I hiding from years past that I am so ashamed of right now? And I think sometimes women don't even realize that it is emotions. I think, I think like we think, oh, well, I'm just dieting because I want to look a certain way or this is how I should eat or like, so for some people it's, it's, they're not even aware of all of the things they need to dig up. So I think 
like step one is in, in the, the journey of recovery and, and getting a better relationship with food is like to realize that it's actually not about the food mm-hmm. and it's not about your body. Like I've said this a million times to people and I, I've had to say it to myself before, like this, my problem isn't with food. Your problem isn't with your body. It's something else. Mm-hmm. And, and to, to admit that is scary. And then to bring up what those things are is really scary. So I'm wondering if there's like a woman listening who maybe like intuitively, you know, okay, I have a problem. Like I, you know, you're doing something that's not good. How then is that, or what is the next step to getting uncomfortable, I guess, and fixing it? Because I, I like we, like when I was obsessively, restricting food I knew it was bad yeah and I knew it wasn't about the food and I knew it wasn't about my body but I was so comfortable in it that I guess I'm like I just hit a block like what you said and I was like I need to fix this because I'm not healthy and if I want to live my life I need to be healthy and and have energy and not be all these things so for a woman listening who's like shoot I know that I have a bad relationship with food but they're so stuck in their habits how do you even start to fix it Yeah. The first, it's like accepting it because that's one of the barriers is I guarantee you every woman who's listening to this right now and who is experiencing emotional eating, she knows it very much so intuitively, but she doesn't want to accept it. Yeah. She doesn't want to accept it. She doesn't want to make it real life. She doesn't want to talk about it. She doesn't want to put it down on a piece of paper. So I'm just going to keep it inside and act like it's not happening. And I'm just going to like do everything in my life really service level. and. You, it, it has to come like you have to be so accepting of what's happening and understand that no one's at fault. No one's at blame. You're not doing anything quote unquote wrong. This is just something you have adopted into over the years because this is what you knew, you yeah. know, emotionally. And that's okay. You know, yeah. this is what you had. This is what you were equipped with basically. I love that. It's like, it's like just, it, it's not good or bad. It's not right or wrong. It's just accepting it and, and not judging yourself. I mm-hmm. think it, it's so, and that's, and that's a really hard thing too, because we don't want to admit it or we don't want to say I need help because that means, oh, I did something bad, but mm-hmm. it, it can just be like, this is the situation I'm in and being empowered enough to say, I want to fix this and I want to change. And, and I'm, this is just, not what you want to do. You want to fix it. And, and, and saying that is so huge. And, and like, I think women need to not be necessarily like congratulated, but encouraged to like, just be okay with it. Okay. With where you are. This is for everything in life and say how this is not working for me. How can I move forward? And that's a very empowering thing to just accept and then decide that you're going to, you're going to move on. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then obviously like this road to fixing your relationship with food well, really in yourself is Mm -hmm. a long one. Mm -hmm. It's a scary one. It's full of ups and downs. It's like one day you feel like things are better. And then the next day you're like, Oh, everything is gone backwards again. So what, what does your like, and I know you have a huge long process with your clients to work through this, but if you could kind of like sum it up, what would the process look like with a journey, you working with a client on fixing their relationship with themselves and with food? Cause it is both. Yeah, it's definitely both. So we go through the process. We start the process off 
um, by really getting to the deep rooted cause of certain things. So I do a little bit of inner child work with my clients. So that way I can get them in certain meditations and take them back to the environment to really understand like what has happened since, you know, they've tried to forget it all these years. Mm -hmm. So that probably takes a couple of weeks to where we just kind of dig everything up. Mm -hmm. At that point in time, it's so emotional. They're feeling all the emotions that they were blocking all this time. So there's a lot of crying, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of overwhelm and anxiety. And it's just, you know, um, at that time, just creating a lot of love and compassion as well and self-care to kind of counterbalance like what they're feeling um, negatively inside. Um, and then I start going through like a deprogram phase with them. So I really kind of help, you know, deprogram that subconscious blueprint, all of the the data they've collected over the years, the memory they've created over the years, just kind of, you know, um, show them and express to them and get them to see that this is no longer serving me. Like my behaviors are no longer serving me. Me holding on to these memories are no longer serving me. Me, you know, just being so, you know, emotionally blocked, not serving me. So just deprogramming all of that and then stepping into, um, you know, all of the, the behaviors of, this is what's going to serve me. And, and kind of the like analogy that I share with all the ladies when they step into my program is we're not creating a new woman. We're just peeling the layers back of who you really are because you've just covered yourself up all of these years, right? And so the D program is just, I'm just peeling the layers back with you. And that reprogramming phase is just getting to know who you are and accepting who you are and like really loving it and just moving forward in life from there. Yeah. And, and it makes me almost like sad because women want to cover themselves up. Women don't want to open up. We're like, like, I guess that's from all our experiences taught to cover up, taught to not be ourselves, taught to not express, taught to, you know, not stand out, taught to fit in, blah, blah, blah. And then all these things happen. And it, it makes me really sad for women who are just meant to be who they are and to not hide. And I'm sure that that can be really challenging, but also really empowering when you see your clients and you see women start to open up and like, you know, release these layers and, and start to live the life that they're meant to, to live and be the woman that they're meant to be. And that's, that's so freeing and exciting. And that's just like the work that you do is incredible and so much needed for, for women. This is yeah. just amazing. Um, something that's coming up for me is I guess, I guess there's, we just talked about like, okay, so when you realize there's like a block or, or you hit a wall and you're like, I'm ready to change. Only a small percentage of women are those women who admit like, I'm ready to change. I need help. Yeah. So what would you say to, if someone is listening right now who is like hiding and scared and suffering and not at the point where she's like, I need help, but she's, she's suffering and she's hiding. What would you say to, to her? If you could say anything to someone who's really suffering and not at the point for help. Yeah. It's okay to be seen and heard as you are. Cause that's a big thing. These women are so fearful to be seen and to be heard. They have this major desire to be seen and to be heard, mm -hmm. right? No matter where they're kind of at in that phase before they actually make the decision to overcome emotional eating, they want to be seen and to be heard for whom they are, but they've been told all of their life it's not okay or it's wrong to be them. So it's just, I mean, that's my biggest message. It's, it's so safe. It yeah. is absolutely safe to be who you are, say what you want to say. And if somebody else has something to say about it, that's not your issue. That is their issue. 
Yeah. And that's, that's just, it's so powerful because like even removing food and emotional eating from the conversation in business, in life, in relationships and everything, we, we get scared to truly show who we are. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want to be seen and heard in all the things we know what we want to say. We know who we want to be, but then it's like, I'm scared or what if someone judges me or what if it's wrong or blah, blah, blah. And it's just, you know, like I think, and it starts, like you said, like what we're not taught emotions when we're kids, we're not taught how to deal with all these things. And then we come into the adult years and we want to be more expressive. We want to do these things, but like, we don't know how to handle all of the things that come with being ourselves and living our dreams, right. To kind of go in a different direction. And it's just like, do you think it needs to be something that's worked on a lot earlier, like in the school system, maybe like, or you're like, shit, if people can't oh say right yes. like, oh, yes, like I'm ready for it. Um, like, I want the school systems to have like a, a, like I even said this to myself and the clients before, like I want the school systems to have a program about emotions and just, we got to teach the kids. It's, this is where it starts. And I just, you know, um, <sighs> When I say my opinions, it's because like, I'm a very like go-getter, like just go do it. You're fine. Like it's scary. Go do it. Like blah, blah, blah. Like, but yeah. I understand for a lot of people, like that's, that's not the reality. It's like, I'm yeah. scared. Like there's people are scared to be themselves. People like, I think courage needs to be taught. I think yeah. like being open about being afraid needs to be taught. I think like all these things like, oh, I'm afraid. So I can't do it. And I'm like, no, like if you want to for example, fix your relationship with food, that's going to be scary because you just had a really awful relationship with yourself and food for like 10 years, 15 years, and now you want to change. I I think a lot of the times we think it it needs to feel safe first and then I'll do it, but it might not feel safe. It might still feel scary, but we should still do it. I I talk a lot about like stepping into courage and that's what a lot of women who come to you do. They take a leap of courage and say, I'm ready for help. Mm -hmm. And that's scary to change because you're so used to, to your behavior. So like, I'm just going on like a current or a courage challenge, right? Or rant right now. I can't speak. Um, because courage is just, I think something that needs to be taught and understanding fear, like fear isn't bad. Fear isn't wrong. It just is. And so, you know, those all things I agree need to be taught and, you know, parenting too. Those aren't something that parents usually bring up with their kids. Cause mm-hmm. how do you teach that? What do you say? Right. So, mm-hmm you know, for, for even moms listening, it's important to have these conversations and teach these things to your, to your kids, because who knows what's happening and then you don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. I, I work with a few moms and Mm -hmm. they, I mean, kids are very impressionable. So they do look up to their parents like, okay, my parents are doing this, acting this way. So I'm also going to do the same thing. Like they're a sponge. And so I work with parents all the time and they're like, oh my gosh, my kids are doing the same thing that I'm doing. And I'm like, you've got to change or else your kids are going to grow up with the same way, you know, that you did and experiencing the same things you did and experience the same pain and whatnot. So it is, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting because I feel like, you know, a woman prior to even having children could do all of this for herself, work on the relationship with herself and somewhere along the lines of pregnancy and then stepping into a mother role because it's such a caregiver role of like, let me give you all of my energy because you're my offspring. I feel like sometimes that can even switch. Like Mm -hmm. they can forget about everything they learned about with that connection with themselves. And it's like, oh man, I'm lost again. So now I need to relearn this to, to kind of teach it to my child. So it's like, it needs to be in the school systems for the kids, but also parents in general to just, you know, 
not how to parent, but you know, a, a parenting with emotions or something like that. Right. You know? I agree. And, and yeah. I, I just, I love this because you know what, like when, when I have guests on and people are like, oh, it's like a nutrition person or it's like, a, oh, they're going to tell me how to eat or what to eat. And, and it's like, it's like, we're going to tell you like, here's how to fix the things here, eat this and then life will be better. And this conversation isn't even about food. Mm-hmm. And I really want people to realize that like this, the, your, your issues for lack of better term, aren't about the food. It's about the emotions. It's about why are you abusing food in this way? What's the, the deeper cause? Like what you start with, with coaching your, your clients is getting to the root cause. Like, why am I so fixated on, on food? Why am I so fixated on restricting or whatever it is? And it all comes back to emotions and dealing with emotions in a more empowering way than trying to hide it and then creating a bigger problem for yourself. So you do, you work with women who've gone through trauma, correct? Mm -hmm. Like, right. So yeah, that's, that's, like that's tough. So for women who I guess are so used to dealing with emotions through food, how do you start dealing with emotions in a different way? So you mean by, okay, so instead of eating emotions, like how do we step into the healthy, the healthy role of that? So it's, you know, working on your emotional intelligence. So it's not like being able to learn how to acknowledge them. Right. So with a lot of my clients, like one of our first steps is just, um, awareness, mm-hmm. connecting with their five senses and like paying attention to when they're putting lotion on their body or just doing X, Y, and Z, because when you're connected with yourself, then you're connected with your emotions. You can mm-hmm. start to identify like, Oh, I feel this way right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, what can I do to process this now? Yeah. Right? And each person like processes their emotions differently, whether it's calling up a friend, I need to talk, I need support or opening up their journal or just sitting in nature and allowing that to just kind of like go through their system. And, um, but yeah, it's all about working on the emotional intelligence, acknowledging the emotions, processing it, and, you know, just even kind of, uh, further like expressing it if they need, you know, anger, go to a kickboxing class, like get it out somewhere, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just managing your emotions. Yeah. It makes me think of just being really intuitive with how you're feeling, like noticing how you're feeling, what you're feeling, and then being self-aware to know, well, what works for you to deal with that? Is it, Mm -hmm. like you said, calling a friend, journaling, meditating, going to a kickboxing class? Like how can you release that in a more positive way? Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And, you know, I think self-awareness and being intuitive is something, again, it's like we're, we're, we don't, we forget what that feels like because we follow what everyone else is doing or or we start to do things and ignore really what our body or our mind is telling us. So then it it becomes very confusing to how we feel and and then what, what we even like to do to fix that or to, or to release that. So that is, is a whole other process. So, you know, it's, we, and I've been through it too. And I see so many women go through it. Like we just cover ourselves up. And then when we realize it's time to release, it's so hard, but it's so worth it because you know, I tell women all the time, like you're meant to be you for a reason, mm-hmm. but then we, we cover ourselves up because of all, all many different reasons. And then it's even harder to get back to where we want to be. Cause I, we, it's like a full circle. You start mm-hmm. off and then you cover yourself up and then you realize it hit a wall and then you want to get back to you. So it is a process, but under support and mentorship or coaching or, or something like that is a lot easier because you have someone to turn to 
and someone who maybe isn't your friend or your family who you feel maybe safer talking mm -hmm. with and, and things like that. So people like Melissa, like I just, it's so, it's so great that, that you offer these things. Cause I truly believe a lot of women are suffering in silence mm -hmm. and, and it's hard to admit it. And it, I think it's hard to admit to family and friends. So if you're someone listening, who's, who's suffering, like I'll get Melissa to share all, all the things and ways to, to reach you at the end in a few minutes. But I, I think that support is something that women really need and crave. And I'm so happy that there's resources now for people to really, really get this help and not just like fix your problem with food, but become the woman that you're meant to be. That's, that's there, right. Yeah. That's already there, but you've covered up. So yeah. that's amazing. Wow. I love it. I want to tap into that support that you were talking about because, you know, sometimes we have this um, expectation that, okay, our spouse should be the one who can support us in this specific area or our parent or our best friend. And that's just not the case. And it's not their fault. Mm. You know, we do yeah. like to kind of get angry and start blaming that person of like, this person can't support me with X, Y, and Z. That's not their fault. They don't know what you're going through. They don't understand it. And that's okay. Yeah. So that's why, you know, someone like myself being in this realm, like I've been in the shoes, like I totally get it. And I, any woman who is experiencing emotional eating, the biggest thing I recommend is truly asking for support because trying to do this on your own, it's, I mean, can I curse on here? Like it's oh, yeah. hell. Like <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's just hell and it would take so much longer, like years. I feel like mm -hmm. years and years and years if you didn't even have that support and who knows if you would even get to that final result of overcoming emotional eating because this is something where you need to have somebody kind of with you to always be, you know, talking and seeking and asking. And ever since I've overcome emotional eating, like I find so much value in mentors. I don't want to go throughout my life without one. Like, I'm I, neither. Yeah. I'm thinking business right now. You guys listening. I just like, I like have a heart attack before we started this conversation. Cause I just re like, I'm all for reinvesting. This is me going on my tangent, but when you drop a lot of money, it's scary. But mm -hmm. when you say I'm like, you can't imagine not having living your life without a mentor. I'm the same way. Like yeah. I just re resigned with my mentor for nine months and it's, I paid in full and I'm all for the investments and people are like, what is this going into now? But they know how I talk about money, but yeah. it, it's that support is worth it. It's worth it on so many levels in, in no matter what it, whether it's your emotions, whether it's business coaching, whether it's anything, right. It's, it's support and, and and, and like you're a coach and you have a coach and I'm a coach and you know, I have a coach and it's like, we all need to constantly be held and supported in many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, we don't realize it until we feel it and we experience it ourselves, how valuable it is and how, like you said, it could take such a long time and you not even get to a point where you want to be, but under a mentorship, you can resolve things a lot quicker. And that's very, very powerful. So amen to that. I yeah. love it. It all goes, to, I mean, we're humans. Like I always get like very like universal and like woo-woo sometimes when I talk, but we're humans and humans are made for connection. Humans are made for love and humans are made for community. Like everyone listening to this right now, we all strive to be a part of something. Yeah. Right. So that's in our DNA that, so, you know, 
I, now that I understand this in my part of the journey, like I'm almost baffled that I used to go against the grain and say like, I can do this all on my own. Like I'm this very much individual, like individual <laughs> woman, like get away. Like I can do this by myself, which that's so not the, the human experience. I'm, I, I can relate to you on so many levels. Like yeah. I can run my business on my own. I'll fix my body and my diet on my own. Like I don't have a problem. Like <laughs> Yeah. We wish that like, it's just not true. Like we, mm-hmm. like we want the, we want the support. We crave the support. We crave the comfort and the, the feeling of we're not being alone and there's nothing wrong with that. I, I find it so empowering to say like, I have a support system. I have, I have a, like a group of people who I can lean on. Like, I think that's empowering as a woman to say like, I'm independent, but I also have help. Like, I think there's nothing wrong with that. And I think maybe a lot of people fray or stray away from getting help because they think like, oh, I don't need help Mm -hmm. because it sounds like not good, but you can still be strong woman. Like Eric, my fiance will say like a joke. Anytime I like need help with something, he's like, oh, I thought you were a strong, independent woman. And I'm like, okay, listen up. (laughs) It's like, I still am. I I am. am. But I still need you to help me. <laughs> yeah. It's like sports though. I mean, on a sports team, you would don't you would not dare go out on a football field or a soccer or a baseball field with just you against a whole team. Like why in real life would you try to do that? You know? Mm-hmm. That's just, that's what I think about. I'm like, I don't want to go on a football field by myself and just get <laughs> right. pummeled. Right. No. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that that connection, that sisterhood, that community, that mentorship, whatever it is for you, it's so, so important. I love it. Yeah. So I want to ask you, Melissa, what's up? What makes you in your life right now feel the most courageously confident? <sighs> Man. <laughs> Literally, I just, there's, it's interesting because I have so much fear in my life right now. Yeah, there's so much just expansion and everything. Like about a year ago, I made this huge goal for myself to just start traveling Mm. and it's here and it's now and it's just randomly started to happen and I'm scared like crapless. So what scares you about traveling? It's what everyone's scared of, the unknown right? It's the natural human behavior of, I don't know what to expect because this is not my normal life. What's going to happen. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, to really kind of, I don't know, to really like embrace and embody that courageously confident, like this is just specifically my life, but just, you know, always jumping into the unknown. I don't know. Like it's always going to have fear associated, but it's the complete unknown. And that's exciting though. You don't know what to expect. Create what you want to expect. Right. Like, you know? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. a congratulations traveling. Yeah. I'm excited. That's amazing. <laughs> Pardon? I said I'm so nervous, but I'm so excited at the same time. Yeah, no, I would be yeah. the same way because I like my routine. Yes. And I'm like, this is where I am. This is what I do. And then traveling, mm-hmm. you're in new places. So it's, it's exciting and you're going to have the time of your life. But it's also that, okay, it's a new feeling. But, oh, my God, that's incredible. Yeah. Traveling running your business, Uh helping women. You're a powerhouse. I love it so much. Amazing. So where can we all go to what what are like the two or three best places to go for people to follow you and learn more about um, what you have to offer on social media? 
Yeah. So Facebook is the best right now because I just, I mean, I love the connection over on Facebook. Um, I have a regular Facebook page and I do have a free support community. You can access it from my Facebook page. So if anybody is, you know, really starting, you know, if, if you're the woman listening and you're like, I am really nervous to actually jump into all of this, but I just, I want to be around a supportive community. That spot's going to be the spot for you right now. Um, I'm also on Instagram. I don't know. I like Instagram stories and showing all the different things of like, you know, what my clients are experiencing and, um, you know, helpful tips every day, but, uh, primarily those two platforms. Um, but Facebook's where what's I'm your, at. what's your Facebook group? What's it called? Emotional eating solutions and support. Perfect. So people can yeah. literally type that in right now as they're listening and go and yeah. join if they feel called to it. That that's amazing. Awesome. And I'll be sure to link everything so people can just click and go and follow you in, in the, those places. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing uh, this. Yes. I love this conversation around quote unquote food, but I love it because it's not about the food. It's about so much more. And when you know you tap into that, that's when you truly change. So incredible. So thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank so much you for having to me. everyone listening. You guys know what to do. I say it every time, but take a screenshot. And then you can tag me and Melissa um, on Instagram. And we love to celebrate you um, as you are listening. So I'm so, so excited for you guys to listen to this probably a few times because there's a lot of good takeaways in here. And a lot of this stuff is, is pretty deep. So yeah. thank you, Melissa, again. Thank you guys for listening. And I'll see you in the next episode. Yay.